0: Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. We've probably all been called a name by somebody before, haven't we? You know, someone got upset with us, mad at us, or making fun of us, and, and so the names come out. And, uh, there, there are many, many, many ways that, that we can put people down. We talked about this last week. It's kind of an extension of judging people, right? You've got this name that you're gonna call them. And, and every generation, of course, has its, its, a uh, little set of, of insults that they like to use. You know, we've probably, you know, heard them before, that you're a sissy or you're a mama's boy or or uh, you're a creep, right? Um, um, my favorite to use on my brother was I would call him a doofus, right? Um, what that definition of doofus really means, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what's in the dictionary, right? I just made that up, right? When my kids were little, uh, they had special names that they would, would call each other, but I think their favorite thing was they would, you know, put the L on their head and they would say, loser, right? We all know it! Isn't that interesting that we all get it, uh, because they, they become, they, they're just rampant. And, and they become, you know, these colloquial terms that people just throw out there at each other and, and they kind of laugh a little bit when they say it, but, uh, it doesn't make it right. It hurts. And it's a form of judgment on that person. Uh, we're just trying to put them down a little bit, judging them for who they are or what they do. You know, we're, we're talking, actually, uh, extending Jesus' dialogue here that we were talking about last week, about not judging other people. And so this passage that we're in is just right on the heels of that, and it's not even the heels of it's right in the middle of that discourse. So we know that Jesus says, don't judge other people or you're going to be judged in the same way, right? So that's kind of where we left off last week. And so this is a continuation of this. And in this dialogue, Jesus actually uses the term dogs and pigs to refer to people. Wow. Now, we're going to unpack this today because it's actually... uh you know, interesting that, that Jesus actually uses this this uh um illustration of throwing something to a dog or a pig and he's talking about people. So in, in Jesus' day, if somebody was called a pig, especially, or a dog, it was a big deal, especially if you were talking to a Jewish person, because dogs and pigs were unclean animals, right? Unclean animals. And so for you to be called a dog or a pig, it was the massive insult to you, a major put down. And so we're looking at the context of this, of what Jesus said about not judging other people. So if Jesus is saying don't judge other people, him calling someone a dog or a pig is not a judgment on them, right? Right? It's not a judgment on them. And so he's not contrary himself. He's not giving license to his followers to talk negatively that way and label people. That's not his intent in this situation. Um, He doesn't want us to put people in special categories and, you know, give them a bad name. Uh, Jesus is not telling us to suspend common sense either. Remember, judging someone Sometimes we learn certain things about people that are just reality. It's the truth, but we're still not to judge them. And so here we have a situation in uh, chapter 7 of Matthew, starting at verse 6. He says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a confusing thing that Jesus said, but this is one of them, right? I mean, this deserves to be in our series. Jesus said, "What?" Right? I mean, who are the pigs? Who are the dogs? What's the what's the this, this, the pearls, and, and why are they going to tear me to pieces, right? So, um, it's generally thought. Some people, you know, they take a look at this quickly and they say, "Oh, well, the dogs and the pigs refer to Gentiles." Not really, because if you stop and think about it, Jesus' message was for everyone, right? I mean, it's commonly known or or referred to the fact that these pearls that we're throwing out there is really the the truth of the gospel message, the the wonderful pearl of great price, this idea that, that God has given us this gift that is just amazing. And so Jesus comes to planet Earth He's God in human form and he has a message to give to the people that is this wonderful pearl. And this pearl is basically good news that Jesus has come to pay that penalty for mankind's sins so that we can be restored to God forever in relationship with him. That's the pearl, right? And so Jesus' message is for everyone. And so this categorization of Pigs and dogs does not refer necessarily to a group of people that has to do with a nationality, okay? So we we like to kind of segment people in groups, right? We've got these people here, these people here, these people here. And we, we put those barriers up or those lines of demarcation. And we say, no, that group, they're this, that group, they're this, they're that, right? And that's not the way Jesus operated. His, his good message, the gospel, the good news he brought is for everybody. And so what is he really saying here? What is he saying? I think instead the dogs and the pigs basically represent anyone who is unforgiven but has rejected the gospel message. What do the dogs and the pigs do with this? They trample it underfoot. They might hear the gospel, but then they give this rejection of it. And Jesus is saying, be careful about giving this message out to people that are adamantly against this message. Now, you've got to keep this in mind that he is saying this in the middle of not judging other people. And so when we bring the gospel, when we tell people about Jesus, his forgiveness for our sins, we, we don't go in with a judgmental attitude. We don't make the decision prior to sharing the gospel that it is going to be rejected. I've talked with people before that that seemed like they wouldn't be open to the gospel, but actually became open after it was shared after it was lived, after it was shown to them what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. You probably know some people like that. You might even be one of those people that for a time you rejected the gospel. You didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. And yet, because of someone's witness to you, there was a certain thing that you heard about the gospel and that it finally sunk in that you responded positively. So so Jesus not saying... Don't approach that group over there because you know they're not going to accept, right? But he's saying that there are those who do trample underfoot this great message of salvation. So what he's saying here is that when we realize that somebody is blatantly rejecting the gospel, what do we do with it? He says, be careful. Now, why did he say be careful? I think because some people, when they are sharing their, their faith, uh, they do so in a very aggressive way. Okay? And, um, you know, if, if you don't accept Jesus at first, so I'm gonna jump on your back, I'm gonna put you in a stranglehold, you know? And then I'm, 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 until you say uncle and accept Jesus, I'm not letting go. Right? Now, I mean, it's shown throughout history that there have been some moments in history, when the Christians got a little aggressive. Right? Remember the thing called Crusades? Okay, you know? I mean, Christians, they, they, they got in people's faces about they've got the truth and you don't. And so they engaged them in a war. In physical combat to try and force them to believe our truth. Now, whether we like it or not, maybe we're not, we're not, you know, throwing bombs and stuff across to one another right now. But I tell you, there are some Christians that are pretty firm about the truth. And that doesn't mean that the truth isn't the truth. But the way that they're putting it out there, it seems pretty aggressive. Seems pretty mean-spirited. And while they're even doing it, they're labeling people. If people reject the truth, what do they do? They label them. They are X and we even do this within the christian camp those people right it's those people whatever name you want to call them however you want to label them and and i'm i'm just i'm just amazed in in the course of history that we're at that place now to where there's such polarization and and the and the christians included have become so mean spirited so what is jesus saying here he's saying that We have this gospel message, and yes, there are going to be those who reject it. What do we do with that? How do we treat those people when they reject the gospel? Well, it's interesting that the disciples were instructed in Matthew chapter 10, verses 11 through 16. It says, whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at their house until you leave. And as you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If not, let your peace return to you. And here's the key. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. He doesn't tell you to get in their face, say something mean, um, be hurtful toward them. He says, I just tell you the truth, that it's going to be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment for that person or that town, uh, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. That's, that's worth a whole sermon right there, right? But the point being is that Jesus is saying, here's the reality. I'm sending you out to share the good news and it's not always going to be accepted. So what do you do when that happens? Do you engage? Do you get louder? No. He says, just shake the dust off your feet. Withdraw. And then let the judgment happen from God, not you. Don't point a finger. Don't call them certain names. Don't label them. Just understand that God is the one who's in charge of judgment. Even Jesus, remember, said, I didn't come to judge the world. I didn't come to judge it. I came to save it. So Jesus presents his message Now, when Jesus is talking about being trampled, right? I mean, maybe in the back of his mind, he knew his own future. He said, what's going to happen when you get opposition, even? Some people become aggressively against the message of Jesus. Well, what did Jesus do when he was on the cross being crucified? How did he talk about those who had rejected him as the Messiah? He said... Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And in essence, the disciples probably later understood this instruction a lot better. Because now they watch their Savior, the Messiah, Jesus, the one who's bringing this message of reconciliation and peace. He is looking down at the Romans who nailed him to that cross and are putting him to death and mocking him by rolling dice to split up his clothes, right? And they hear him say, Father, forgive them. No judgment. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus refused to judge those people who were crucifying him right at that moment. And if we are called to be like Jesus, we're his disciples, we're his followers, we're here to to learn from him and become like him, then in the face of sharing the good news of Jesus, we need to be ready to be rejected at times. But we don't retaliate with judgment. We don't retaliate with force. What we do is we withdraw and we leave it up to God. Now, does this mean that, that we don't, you know, show some measure of persistence in, in sharing the good news with people, especially those who uh, have initially rejected the gospel and maybe they're part of our own family? Well, it doesn't say that you stop praying for them. It doesn't say that you stop being nice to them. I mean, in, in fact, our response to their rejection should actually be a reflection of Jesus. Now, you don't say that like right in front of them. Well, Father, forgive you for, you know, uh, because you don't know what you're talking about, dude. Uh, No. Right. I mean, that would be mean. But what we do is we can genuinely just pray and say, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to share. Uh, It seems evident that they've rejected your message for now. I'm hoping that they will eventually respond. And maybe some of you are like that too. Maybe you heard and you rejected, but later on, you responded positively. Matter of fact, Billy Graham Association did this big survey, and they came to the conclusion that a person accepts Jesus most of the time after they've heard the message over and over again, at least seven or eight times before they finally, not give in, but just simpler, say say yes. They get it finally. And some of us have been resistant initially, right? Maybe there's been a, a Christian in our in our family or or within our sphere of influence that was kind of a mean-spirited, you know, curmudgeon. And we're going like, wow, if that's what it's like to be a Jesus follower, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't want to become like that person. I mean, I really did think that some of the people in my church were baptized in lemon juice. It was, I mean, sourpuss people, you know? And I see, there I go. I labeled them, didn't I? All right? Bad me, um, but it's just so easy to do that. And so we we pray that we would be the kind of people that would be a, a good example, the best of Jesus that we could set our set forward. Right. So um, now, traditionally, the next part of this passage in Matthew seven verses seven through eleven has actually been treated as kind of a standalone prayer, uh, a standalone teaching. And uh, But actually, as we read this together, keep in mind, this is still a part of the teaching of no judgment, okay? So if we look at this, uh, Matthew 7 uh, seven through 11, it says this, "'Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who, s- who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened.'" what is Jesus saying here Uh, in in terms of no judgment? The gospel message is going out. The gospel was the center of Jesus' teaching. And he's saying here that he wants to expect the best of others, that they are sincere about seeking a relationship with God. Okay? So ask. It'll be given. Seek. Find. Knock. It'll be opened everyone who asks receives seeks finds knocks the door will... in other words anyone who has a genuine sincere spirit about them about seeking a renewed relationship with god the creator that that door will be open that seeking will be rewarded by finding okay so again if we take this in in the context of no judgment we bring that gospel message to people we don't want to judge them We want to assume the best of them that they are trying their best to figure out who they are in the universe. Am I really a creation of God, lovingly thought of before the beginning of time, that that God knitted me together in my mother's womb? Do they believe that, or do they just think that they came out of the ooze? You know, that when they die, there's nothing left. What they, Most people believe they're more than just that. They, they know deep down what the truth is. That knowledge, they're this deep desire to be significant, to be more than just, you know, matter. There's this deep thing that God knows that people are seeking him. And if there's a sincerity of that, of that drive to find out who they are in the universe, we have the opportunity to shed light on that, to tell them the truth, to tell them what the Bible says, who Jesus is and who we are, and how we have messed up as a, as a human race. But God is so loving that He provided a way to get reconnected with our Creator. Isn't that great? So so Jesus is saying, respect those people who are are asking and seeking and knocking. And then in verse 11, it says this, or verse 9, it says, Which of you, uh, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, I love that. <laughs> Jesus says, you are evil, right? Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I mean, this is actually a little bit comical to me. You know, of course, I see everything kind of funny way. But, uh, you know, Jesus is looking at you and he's saying like, okay, you're evil. And you know how to give good gifts to people, right? I mean, it, it's interesting, it's true that, that, you know, I was evil as a kid. You go, ah, No, there were times, boy, you know. I mean, like, when I wanted to get back at my brother who was twice my size, what did I do? I waited until he fell asleep. Right? And then, pow, you know, pillow in the face, right? Uh, or, you know, there are other things, you know, want no more Take me out to lunch. All right. But um, here's the deal. My kids are evil. They did some terrible things to one another. My daughter bit my son and made him bleed. She was a evil little girls sometimes, right? Okay. I mean, we've all had our moments, right? And if we who are evil know how to be nice to people, right? How much more? God can really show us how wonderful, how kind, how loving he is in spite of our evil nature, right? And if you haven't ever literally done some evil things like I have, you've thought it, right? Come on, we all have. We've all gone there. We've all pushed somebody off a cliff in our head, right? So God knows that. God knows that. And what God is trying to get across to all of us is that he is not evil. He is loving. He is kind. He is good. And if someone is genuinely seeking him, he's going to reward that. He will. Okay? So we should take that to heart, and it should embolden us when we're sharing the gospel with other people. You know, verses 7 through 11, they're a wonderful statement of how God treats those who are honestly seeking after him. And uh, so we we want the best for other people, so we need to assume the best. So Jesus comes to the summary. Now, I love Jesus uh, a lot, not just for this, but one of the things that I admire about Jesus is as as intelligent as he is, I mean, he was smart enough to like, you know, be involved in making the planets, the stars, the human body, and everything. Like, I mean, it's just amazing how much knowledge Jesus has, right? That we're never going to ascend to that amount of knowledge. That he actually comes to these points in Scripture where he gives a summary statement. Okay. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been I've been in church like for my whole life, and I have sat under a lot of preaching that just like went way over my head i mean i actually worked with a pastor one time he had he had two doctorates phd phd he was a double phd right and and he would sometimes use words that i just i mean that was a word that i didn't know matter of fact me and the other youth pastor would write these words down sometimes you know and then i would go to the dictionary to try and find it one time i didn't find it you know and I actually went into his office and I said, hey, Doc, can you tell me what this word means? I didn't tell him that he said it on Sunday. He said, that's not a word. And just told me that once you get two PhDs, I guess you can make up your own words, right? But, uh, but all that to say, sometimes, you know, people, you know, we think they're really smart because we can't understand them. Right? When in reality, they may not be smart at all. But what's smart about Jesus is he understands that sometimes we're not going to get it the complex stuff, and he's just finished this little discourse and he's saying, okay, let me summarize it for you. And we're all going like, okay. (laughs) So here is Jesus' summary. It's really easy. Verse 12, so, uh, that starts a summary, so, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. It's pretty simple. This sums up the law and the prophets. Now, in Jesus' time, he was a rabbi, and he studied his whole life to sometimes, you know, they memorized whole books of the Bible. Uh, Normally, the rabbi would memorize the first five books of the Pentateuch, okay? First five books of the Bible, memorized, right? And so Jesus is saying all of the law, which would be all of the laws that they had in their scriptures at that time, every single law, and there are hundreds of them, all the law, and all the prophets, all the, all the the prophets, the people who were prophets of God, who gave that word to the Israelites, all the law, all the prophecies are summed up in one statement. Wow. So, you know, couldn't you just like shorten the Bible for me? <laughs> so even if you never read the Bible all the way through, Let me summarize it for you. Treat people the way you want to be treated. It's pretty simple. How do you want people to treat you? Well, we don't want people to judge us without knowing us. If we've messed up, we would really like it if people would forgive us. Maybe even before we asked. If we've been bad, we still hope our parents are going to forgive us and keep feeding us, <laughs> keep living in the house, take care of us. I mean, we don't really have to explain it more than that, right? I mean, when you're conversing with someone, just pretend that that person is you. What would you like to hear? And you preach. And you teach that. Now, this is not saying that then that gives you the freedom to say what you want to hear, but you hear it in a way that has a gentle and a kind spirit behind it, right? I mean, I've been happy that someone has told me the truth because they said it in a kind and gentle spirit. I want, I want the truth. I I want honesty. So we don't compromise the gospel. We don't change the, the gospel, the way to get to Je- the way that, that Jesus said we get to God through Him. We can't change that. We can't compromise the truth of the scripture, but we can still say it in a way that is kind, that is loving, that has a genuine, genuineness to it that tells that person we care about them. We're not saying this to hurt them. And if they disagree with us, we respect that. We say, for now, you know, I I can't change your mind. I'm not here to force my hand on you to try to convince you to be or believe what I believe. But I'm here to tell you, as far as the Bible tells me, what the truth is and how you can have that relationship with God that, I know you're seeking. And I hope that you understand that this is the way. We're going to talk about that next week, that narrow way. How do we present that in such a way that is still kind, still loving, and respects people even if they say no? Because we don't know when. Maybe maybe it's our response to them when they say no that will actually Re-engage them at a a moment later when they realize how kind you were in the process of letting them kind of find their their way at the moment that they need to find it, right? That's a much better way to engage other people. Without a doubt, some people are mocking God, but others are knocking to find him. And so we're to, to expect the best of others and respect them and their choices, Um, but we're still concerned. We choose to focus our energies on sharing the gospel with as many people as possible. And if there are some who reject, it's okay. There are more who still need to know. So we need to then, and you've heard me say, you know, try to engage with people who don't know Jesus. But if that group resists, okay, bless them and go your way and find another group, right? Because... God has someone within your sphere of influence that he wants you to share the good news of salvation with, right? All right, let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to share the good news that you bring to us, that you died to pay the penalty of sin that separated us from, from God. God, thank you that, that you also now give us the opportunity to engage with others the way that we would want to be engaged. Help us to be kind and gentle in our spirit, to be loving in our tone, to be respectful of the choice they make, even if it's not to engage you at this time. But God, we we just pray that you would help us be Jesus to others as much as possible through the strength of your spirit and the help of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.